Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys, I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. Welcome, friends. Hey, Lainey. Hey, what's up? Not too much. So we're back in the White House today at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, I'm excited. I liked our last White House episode. Yeah, so this one's going to be a little bit spookier. So this one is sort of like a part two to our White House episode, except you're getting some more spookiness today. Ooh, I can't wait. So we're not talking gators in the bathtub today or meetings on the crapper? No, no meetings on the crapper today. All right. So they've seen triumph and tragedy, and they may have seen a lot of paranormal activity. And I know we talked about a lot of it in the first White House, but this is actually just focusing on two presidents. Okay. So several of the first families or other well-known figures have claimed hauntings, including but not limited to Jenna Bush. Uh, She went on the Today Show and the Kelly Clarkson Show and said one night her and her sister could hear 1920s piano music coming from the fireplace. Ooh. And when they went to tell a staff member, he said, Jenna you would not believe some of the things that I've heard. What? So. Who is this guy? He's one of the staff, like probably one of the, I don't know. I He might have been Secret Service, actually. Oh, gotcha. I always want to say bodyguard, but they don't call themselves bodyguards, I don't think. Yeah. Because Secret Service is such a cooler name, and it's like obviously a very distinct position. When bodyguard, like I could pay for a bodyguard. And <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm not that sure. important. You could be a bodyguard. Technically are for your children. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll throw down. <laughs> Um, Barack and Michelle Obama have both heard sounds coming down the hallway when no one was there. Winston Churchill, we talked about his experience in our first White House episode. He got out of the bathtub naked with a cigar hanging from his mouth and saw Lincoln standing there in the bedroom. Harry True, that's so Winston Churchill too, taking a bath with a cigar in his mouth and getting out and seeing Lincoln's ghost. Like that, that, is, that yes. feels so Winston Churchill. Um, Harry Truman wrote letters about his haunting experiences. Grace Coolidge, Calvin Coolidge's wife, saw Lincoln, as did Jacqueline Kennedy and Eleanor Roosevelt. She said that she could feel his presence whenever she was in his room because it's the Lincoln bedroom. And Rex, the dog of Nancy and Ronald Reagan, would often bark at the doorway to Lincoln's bedroom and refuse to go inside. Lincoln is definitely the most famous ghost, not just because it's Abraham Lincoln, but he's the most active ghost. And I think it has something to do with the fact that he died while president. And so, Mm -hmm. and I mean, and he was shot by an assassin and he, I'm positive, felt like he had a lot of unfinished business. Oh, for sure. I can't imagine. So I watched a documentary on Max called Demon in the White House, which I started just passively, but then got really intrigued by the fact that two of our first ladies um, held seances in the White House. And so they very well could have actually opened some doors to the paranormal. Really? Who who did the seance? I'm going to tell you. I thought you were going to keep it a secret. No, I'm going to tell you about the seance. (laughs) Seances. 
Okay. <laughs> That's mostly what the episode's about. Gotcha. So I decided to focus on those seances, uh, which kind of took me down an interesting and dark rabbit hole. So today may leave you wondering, is there actually a demon or a dark entity in the White House? And no, this is not talking about politics, and this is not some kind of euphemism for who's in the office, because we don't talk about that. But there's been a lot of spooky things and ghosts invited into these seances that could have let something more sinister inside the White House. Ooh. So let's talk. Let's talk. Um, so let's start with Franklin Pierce. <laughs> Pierce. I, what? I love the pause and you're just like, um. <laughs> well, because I added my notes into this teleprompter app and it says like background story. This is where you'll talk about legends and lay out the scene and blah. And I was like, okay, you're not reading that. Go, 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 go. I didn't delete that out of the teleprompter <laughs> I'm trying this new teleprompter app, you guys, to help control my speed because I feel like I talk super fast. So, but it's hard on a teleprompter because you can set the pace and I'm like tempted to set it really fast. Not really fast, just because I talk fast. So anyway. Sorry, it's a work in progress. You're doing great. We're trying to be better. So Franklin Pierce, uh, he was very religious. Before he became president, his life had been marred by tragedy already. He had a total of three children. Two of them died very early. Franklin Pierce Jr. died when he was a few days old. Seven years later, Frank Robert Pierce died at four years old of typhus. Typhus. Typhus is similar to typhoid. It's a bacteria, but typhoid is spread through contagious contaminated food or even water and it was very common i've probably brought up typhoid mary before yes where the theory was she scratched her bum hole and she um prepared a lot of food for people so then it kept spreading and spreading and spreading Um, such a gross story (laughs) and like something like 130 people may have died did he name both of his kids frank yeah there was frank one was frank jr and then one was frank robert okay that's interesting i mean i get the tragedy of passing of a child but why are you gonna name the next one the same name that is or maybe that's beautiful i don't know yeah that's a choice it's a choice. I agree. It's like when people name their dogs the same thing, like the next dog. And you're like, huh, seemed like that dog like should have its own identity. I feel like once yeah. <laughs> I name a dog something. And we even had one of our dogs for a very short time because our apartment wouldn't let us keep her. Her name was Marge. Well, you know Marge. I'm saying it. I'm yeah. saying it to the people that are listening. <laughs> well, I forgot about Marge, but continue. I didn't. I think about her every day. Um, our apartment Aww. made us give her up and we took her to a no-kill shelter. But the guilt I have felt for the past 15 years about it and it was 15 years ago has weighed on me very heavily so anyway but marge like even though we only had that dog for a short time what it's a retired name i can't have another marge i can't have another gary or george or carl or veda or beatrix or kino or roxy or sophie roxy or sophie my god we've had a lot of dogs (laughs) yes five of them i I have right now if that makes anybody feel better i have five dogs so yes i have a hard time saying no and reagan was just asking today about getting a male dachshund I was like, well, and I told her, she was like, can we get another dachshund when Veda passes away? And I'm like, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm not going to already talk about replacing dogs, but maybe a male dachshund would be interesting because, you know, she she has her shortcomings and that's not a, you know, short dog joke. <laughs> I was like, maybe a male dachshund would be better. And then she she told Casey first thing this morning that we were getting 
a male dachshund and he comes straight into the bedroom. He's like, Reagan said we're getting a male dachshund. I'm like, okay, out of context, she asked about getting another dachshund when Veda passes away. And I said, I'd be interested in maybe trying out a male dachshund if this was not a promise to get another dog right now. Dear God, I'm not having six dogs. Like five is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of dogs, but y'all are great dog people and you have the, the yard for it. So yeah, so but I'm good with that. Like we're good. So anyway, sorry so typhoid is spread through contaminated food and water and the bacteria comes from feces while typhus is usually spread through fleas coming through rats or possums um they sound similar because it wasn't until sometime in the 1800s that they realized they actually weren't the same bacteria causing people to get sick so typhus is what got frank robert pierce so that left their only child and son benjamin aka Benny. And naturally, James... I thought you were going to say AKA Frank. No. <laughs> Frankie. No. I feel like maybe... I have no idea, but maybe they realize like two Franks died. Like maybe that name should be retired, but yeah, I don't know. George Foreman named all of his kids George, didn't he? Oh, I don't, that sounds familiar, but I don't remember that totally. Like I wouldn't pull that fact out of my pocket, um, but that's interesting. Yeah, I think I have to look it up. I think multiple of his children are George. That's funny. All right. Sorry. I'll get off the name thing. So naturally, Jane Pierce, wife and soon to be first lady, was extremely attached to Benny. She was very overprotective of him that it started to teeter on obsession. She just was so overprotective because she had two other sons that died. Um, He was rarely allowed to leave her side. Uh, They played together most of the day. He wasn't really allowed any kind of independence or to be with anyone other than mama. After everything that happened, Jane Pierce did not want Franklin Pierce running for president and she was very outspoken against it. Um, She hated being the wife to a politician. So being president was much more of a burden than she really wanted. So when he was nominated as the Democratic nominee, she supposedly fainted because she did not want this to happen. But he ran and he won the presidency in 1852, becoming the United States's 14th president. His presidency would be from 1853 to 1857. And the country, they put a lot of hope on him that he could bridge the growing gap in the country because this is pre-Civil War. It's President Pierce, James Buchanan, and then Abraham Lincoln. So he's very close. And Pierce is a one-term president, and so is Buchanan. So we're very close to Civil War time. Intentions were for sure growing very heavily in the North and the South. So the pressure was on him to unite the country. And spoiler alert, he does not. Uh, slavery was clearly the big issue and a problem he was not going to be able to solve. Even though Jane Pierce hated her husband's involvement with politics, she wasn't completely adverse to politics. I mean, she understood the importance of government. Um, She just didn't want to be the wife of a politician. But she did have very strict views on abolition. She was anti-slavery or pro-abolishing slavery, which at the time really fueled the flame because the country was already teetering war. So the South was very unhappy with her views and they were honestly like scared because if she has those views she's clearly an influence on the president so franklin pierce wasn't also wasn't a fan of slavery but he felt that keeping the union together was more important 
So shortly after he was elected, but before inauguration, Franklin, Jane, and Benny were taking a train from Boston to Concord, New Hampshire. The train somehow derailed and rolled down an embankment, and Benny, who was 11 years old at the time, and the last remaining child to the Pierces, was crushed to death right in front of Franklin and Jane. That's so sad. And... Even more, like, dramatically, this was the accident's only fatality. Oh, my goodness. Not that you want that to happen to anybody, but it was like their train cart derailed. Like, the whole train didn't derail. It was like their section of the train derailed, and Benny was the only one that died. Oh, that's so sad. And so we really need to take into account Jane Pierce's mental state, like losing two children, the devastating blow that she clearly clung to Benny and now just died tragically right in front of her. So this was a immensely devastating blow to them. They would never recover from his death. This was during his presidency? This is right before he was inaugurated. So he was already elected. Oh, wow. I can't imagine the whole world hearing in on that most tragic moment of my life. Yeah. And now you have to go into the presidency and help prevent this war from breaking out when you're like reeling with the fact that your third child just died and is not even going to go into the White House with you. Yeah, that's insane. I can't imagine that. No, I I can't imagine. And it's it's really sad. I like I really do feel bad for the Pierces and really poor decisions are made in his presidency, but like personally, he's had a devastating blow. Yeah. And and this is going to be the last straw for Jane Pierce. I mean, this is where she really starts to just go downhill. She believed that this was God's punishment for Franklin pursuing a political career and putting his career ambitions ahead of the family. Oh, Lord. So like I said, she for sure would never be the same and her mental health was at an all-time low. Franklin Pierce also felt incredibly guilty and started drinking more heavily because I'm sure Jane did not keep her feelings to herself and her beliefs as to why she thinks Benny passed away and that did take a toll on Franklin. So he already had issues with drinking. Now he just dove deeper into it to deal with his grief. But he still had to be president so he tried moving forward but was unsuccessful. He ultimately will be regarded as one of the worst presidents in U.S. history history, which like I said, he's set up for failure from the get-go. And being like kind of an empath here, I always like look at presidents in their personal situations and like, my God, you just really didn't need to be president at that time. Yeah, I mean, can't catch a break. No. That really sucks to be <laughs> go down as the worst. Yes. Him and the next president, James Buchanan, are going to be guarded, regarded as some of the worst presidents that we've had. Is that because of the Civil War? Yes. Yeah. I mean, not to say they caused the Civil War, but they did nothing to stop it and basically let it happen, I guess. Yeah. What you tolerate, you encourage. I also think like judging presidents is very difficult because they're all judged on completely different circumstances. Like I don't want to be president with an impending civil war about to break out. Like those are my (laughs) two cents. Like I'll be the president when things are going great in the country and I like have very little issues to actually deal with. I don't want to be the president that deals in war and making those kind of like First off, I don't want to be president, so that's already fine. Especially the Civil War. It's not, you're not even fighting another country, exactly. Your country's fighting itself, and you're the president of that country, and... Right. Your enemy is your brother. Yes. Like, that is, I guess that's the worst case scenario, it feels like. It's insane. 
Yeah. So it's not to defend Franklin Pierce, but I always think about that. Like, well, we should consider that they were president at this time or they became president after so-and-so was assassinated. Like they had a bunch of crap on their plate. Like, but that's just how I think about a lot of things. Yeah, Um, I agree. As for Jane, she did not even attend Franklin Pierce's inauguration in 1853 and ended up taking almost two years to perform any of her first lady duties. Um, She was in almost total isolation. She wouldn't play hostess she left that to other family or friends to like host events or parties at the white house uh she just wanted to be alone she was uh she was even nicknamed the shadow of the white house oh wow in isolation jane would sit and write letters to her deceased son most of the day she would ask him to appear to her and this is where things start getting spooky jane pierce is the first known first lady occultist oh So during this time period, literally about five years before Benny died, spiritualism was the new and growing belief system. People were taking a deeper interest in both the supernatural and the afterlife. And it's not really like a uniform religion with specific views. It's more heavily associated with being able to communicate with the supernatural. But it's a very diverse viewpoint. Somebody of any religion can also consider themselves a spiritualist. Like you can be a Wiccan and a spiritualist. I mean, I guess you can be Christian, but also be a spiritualist. Yeah. Um, Many highly uh, empathic people also identify with spiritualism because they feel like they can feel the energies and spirits around them. To communicate with the deceased is usually called a seance, which comes from the French word seat or session. And Gothic literature and art was very popular during this Victorian era, which spurred on spiritualism. Oh my God, I said so many yeses. Uh, (laughs) Get over that. Jeez. I just listened to our Scottish episode to trial it for how's it, you know, is it going to be okay? And we keep talking about my S's and now it's just, it's in my head, okay? So it's not just communicating with the dead, but also hypnosis became increasingly popular. Part of this stemmed from mesmerism, which is the theory that was formed by a German doctor named Franz Mesmer. He believed that all living things have a natural force or energy that could be healed physically. From that idea came hypnosis. There's a more lengthy background that was like the skip a bunch of middle parts story on that. There's a lot more to say on that, but to keep on topic, I'll just keep it there for today. Under hypnosis, many patients claimed that they could see their deceased loved ones. So this became part of the spiritualism movement. So this starts growing the role for mediums and psychics. Two famous mediums of the time and in the United States basically led to the popularity of it here in the U.S. were the Fox sisters, known as Maggie, Mm. Leah, and Kate Fox. They allegedly had the gift of foresight, and during their time as spiritualists and communicating with the supernatural, they were never found to be frauds or tricksters. Now, but I, I thought they were. I will say more on, on them in a little bit. Okay. Um, they, they have a really interesting, during the time that they were spiritualists, they were not seen to be frauds or tricksters. But one of them does out them. So I'll talk about that at the very end. Okay. It's actually in my arbitrary anecdote. Oh, sweet deal. So in their very home, they would hear knocks and other strange sounds. The sounds they attributed to be spirits in the home. People began visiting their home to hear the ghostly activity for themselves. And this is where the sisters start becoming really popular in the spiritualist movement. The sisters claimed it was coming from a deceased peddler and 
it did get investigated and they did find bone fragments on the property, which to onlookers at the time just proved that the sisters had a gift. So then community leaders would test them outside of their home to see if they were actually gifted or if this was like, yeah, this is just happening inside your home. So like, it's not that, not that big of a deal. One of the community community leaders even put them in a room with 400 people, examined them by disrobing the girls and making sure they didn't have anything on their bodies that could, you know, make knocking soins. I just said soins. (laughs) I saw the (laughs) soins. Oh my gosh. So make sure they had nothing on their bodies that create could create sounds that make it seem like ghosts or spirits were around. They wanted it. But were to... they totally naked in front of 400 people? No, I think I don't think so. I think they just took them in the back and made them probably get naked to show that there was nothing on their bodies. But then they would gotcha. go out to the people and just say, "Okay, there was nothing on their bodies." I'm saying to myself, that's what it was. All I saw was they disrobed them to to confirm there was nothing on them. Yeah. So nothing was found hidden. No props were found. So the sounds produced seemed to be real. And I'm saying seemed to be real because I don't know. And I'll, I'm just going to always be a little bit of a skeptic. So they caught the attention of another well-known medium, Andrew Jackson Davis. He was also a known clairvoyant and spiritualist. Um, he actually helped influence Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, he invited the Fox sisters to New York City and ended up supporting them. So it gave them further credibility amongst the public. They worked in New York City for one dollar session, which would be about. today. Maggie and Kate began to travel for seances while Leah stayed behind in New York. They traveled through several cities across the U.S., but one included Washington, D.C. So the Fox sisters became world-renowned at the time and caught the attention of Jane Pierce. She had been writing to Benny over and over for him to return to her. So staff members could even hear her calling out to him from her room. So maybe she finally decided to take action and she invited the Fox sisters to the White House to help her reconnect with her son. So the Fox sisters called upon the spirit, Benjamin Pierce, in this seance. We do not know what all was said and done during the seance. It's all rumored because they did not document this. I'm sure this was, even for the time, controversial. I mean, it's going to be a little bit controversial, I think, anytime. Well, yeah, I think even now, if we... Joe Biden had a clairvoyant come to the White House and the world heard about it, they would be like, man's kooky. Right. Like you don't want to talk about that. So I can understand why it would be hush hush. So we don't know everything that was done and said. So some people take creative licensing, like in the documentary Demon in the White House. I'm sure they took some creative license whenever they, because they were doing like the sort of reenactment and then talking to actual like mediums and psychics and stuff like that. So some of it I'm sure is maybe exactly. I mean, do we really know? No. Yeah. But of course, the problem is going to be when you open the veil to let something in, you don't have control over what comes through. So Jane Pierce did claim that Benny came to her two nights in a row after these seances. So for a moment, she seemed to have some kind of relief from her grief. She believed that she had reconnected with her son. This is the first reported ghost sighting in the White House. So ghost sightings go from 1853 to today. All right. But this is where it all started. And in 1853, a Seventh-day Advent priest 
question the president and first lady as to whether or not this was actually Benjamin. So there began banging sounds on the walls, which was said that could be some kind of parasitic demon. Like you just actually let something into the White House that's gonna just hang out there. I mean, some entities hang on to places, some hang on to people. This could easily hang on to places because how powerful is the White House? Yeah. So some of the staff reported that she was playing with Benny, giggling and laughing behind closed doors, and they could hear her talking to him. Oh my God, and it's a demon. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what we think. It could be a demon. Jeez. But I'm not saying it's a demon. I'm not confirming anything because I don't, but kind of troubling if you're a staff member in the White House after there was a seance, I'm pretty sure I'd be putting in my like one day notice. I don't even think you're getting two weeks out of me or it's like, here's my two weeks, but I'll be working in the lawn. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if this is some kind of demon or dark entity, it's going to start preying on somebody's mental health and psyche of those living on the property, but especially the most vulnerable, which you have to imagine is Jane Pierce. She's so fragile Uh and her mental state was already so low, but also the president's probably was also. Yeah. So some people believe that whatever door was open let in something far more sinister, that it may not have been their ghost son. That possibly, possibly what led Franklin Pierce to make some of the decisions that he did that would lead to the Civil War. Because, yes, he had a son that died. So maybe he wasn't making decisions that were of sound mind because maybe he was not of sound mind. Mm -hmm. But people also believe that it could have been some kind of entity that he was under some kind of influence. That's an interesting theory. He allowed the passing of the Kansas-Nebraska Act, which he was very opposed to before ever signing it. This legislation was one of the most important up to that time period. Abolitionists heavily opposed this legislation because it had violated the Missouri Compromise. Under the Missouri Compromise, there was a clear dividing line where slavery could not extend past. So if you were an abolitionist, you at least knew that it couldn't go past this point, Mm -hmm. according to the line. The Kansas-Nebraska Act contradicted that, saying, let's let people of that territory vote whether they wanted slavery or not. So it didn't matter where that dividing line was. Got it. Nebraska, this is the Kansas-Nebraska Act, Kansas and Nebraska are both coming as new states in the country. Kansas was going to be a free state, but Kansas, sorry, I don't know if I said that right. Nebraska was going to be a free state, but Kansas was the wild card. So you have both pro and anti-slavery activists that went to Kansas to try and tip the scales in their favor. So move here because we want this to be a slave state or move here because we don't want it to be a slave state since now we have to take a vote. Well, what happens when you put anti-slavery and pro-slavery people together in one state all balled up nicely? It's going to cause... All balled up nicely. (laughs) It's not going to be balled up nicely. It's going to be violence and anger amongst both sides, which further divides the country apart. So by Franklin Pierce... I cannot even imagine being there, like, the horror. No. And can you imagine, like, your parents moving you there, saying, like, hey, like, we need to go take a side here, so we're going to move our family here. And so now you're going to put a bunch of people with completely opposing viewpoints together that are just going to hate each other. I know, and it's the... You're talking about owning a human person to do with what you will like this is it seems i don't know how slavery ever happened like it seems like an easy choice 
but God, I'm just glad I wasn't born in the 1800s. No. Glad I didn't have to actually see that. No, I can't, I can't imagine ever having to live through that. Like in that regard, I am grateful to be here today. Yeah. So it this legislation was very confusing to abolitionists because like I said, Franklin Pierce was not pro-slavery, but he didn't, he didn't want to divide the union. And this legislation kind of contradicted that because it further divided people. He said that he wanted more of a hands-off approach to slavery and he was making decisions that, I mean, it was taking sides, but you weren't even taking the side that you were really on. Like you, you just created, you just threw fuel and on the it, fire. And you can't have a hands-off approach to something like slavery. Come on. Yeah. He definitely didn't want war, but riots began breaking out all around the country. Headlines kept coming up uh, referring to Kansas as bleeding Kansas. Outbreaks of violence were rampant across the country. This legislation was a giant leap forward towards the Civil War. So a de- this decision has been questioned for nearly 170 years. People didn't understand why he made it. And because of this act, it actually led to the creation of the Republican. Republican Party and the nation's leading anti-slavery political party. Maybe that was the silver lining that it it created a party, again, not taking sides here on anything, calm down, but that it was an anti-slavery political party. And we know that Abraham Lincoln is our first Republican president. Mm -hmm. So now this isn't publicly talked about in the White House and definitely something the White House would probably want to keep quiet, but it is believed that there was an exorcism done in the White House after all the the seances with Jane Pierce. So I cannot tell you what actually happened because we don't know what happened, but I'm positive the federal government would not want to talk about it or leak out any information about it. So take this with a grain of salt. But Benny, of course, could have been something else just coming in the form of Benny. Maybe they realized. That breaks my heart. I know. I know. Like just preying on the mind of this vulnerable mother that lost three children. And now she's at this certain status where certain roles and duties are expected of you. And you just, you just can't. Yeah. That's that's a lot of a pressure. And it's a pro-slavery demon. I mean, get out of (laughs) here. What a little fucker demon. So maybe they realized that this wasn't Benny, but a supposed exorcism was done in the White House to remove an attachment that they probably hoped was attached to Jane and not the White House. Yeah. Since we know little about this. We don't really know if it was successful or if he if it even really happened. But the Pierces left the White House pretty much in disgrace um, in 1857. And in 1863, so only about six years later, Jane's health kept deteriorating and she did die. Uh, Franklin Pierce died in 1869, so six years after Jane, of cirrhosis of the liver from years of heavy, heavy drinking. So it's a very sad ending for that presidency. For that presidency and for that family. Like, come 1863, Franklin Pierce lost lost his entire family. Wow. I did not know any of that. That is so sad. Well, he's not an often talked about president. Yeah. And I don't think we talked about all the deaths and personal life in school. So. No, not typically. I actually took a president's class in college because I was so interested in the president. So it was just a history class focused on every president. You would. That is your jam. It was good. I'm surprised you're not book. teaching a class. Well, I teach real and I teach about haunted real estate. I mean, I'm kind of in the best of where I want to be, I think. But no, I do. I I find the presidents fascinating and I love learning about them. So the next president, of course, is going to be James Buchanan. Also, like we said, regarded as one of America's worst presidents, another one-term president. Again, giving him some credit, 
He walked into a shit show. But the United States was less than united and Buchanan did little to help it. So skipping over him, let's go into 1860. Abraham Lincoln (laughs) gets elected as the 16th president uh, of the United States. Our first Republican president who opposed the spread of slavery and was much more outspoken. He wasn't as politician-y in the sense where he's like, oh, um, like privately, like James Buchanan privately was anti-slavery. And he did privately buy slaves just to free them. So like he was a good man personally, but you tried to play politics, I guess. And just like, I'm not going to do anything political to help you, but like, I will help a few of you individually. Well, okay. Well, that just didn't help. Yeah. Use your power as the president to make a real change. Maybe think about that, sir. This is why politics just suck. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of well-intentioned politicians who go into it, like, wanting to make a good positive difference. And then you realize, well, I'm not going to get voted if I talk about this. This isn't going to happen if I talk about this. Or I need to make these 12 horrible decisions to make the one good one I came here to do. You know, like, I don't don't envy that. It sucks. It's It's a nasty little game. That's for sure. It is. And that's why you feel like so many of them play dirty. And I guess... Feel yeah. like they have to play dirty. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with Jane. I don't want to be the wife of a politician, Heck no. let alone a president. Nope. <laughs> I would die of liver of the cirrhosis. Cirrhosis of the liver. I <laughs> died of liver of the cirrhosis. <laughs> oh my gosh. So as we know, he came to be, he came from very humble beginnings, just talking a little bit about Lincoln. He he was self-taught. He worked his way up. He was definitely against the Kansas-Nebraska Act and stood in front of crowds debating that legislation before it passed. He even debated against Stephen Douglas himself, who was the author of the Kansas-Nebraska Act. So these debates helped give Lincoln his reputation. So let's talk a little bit about Mary Todd Lincoln. She did not have the same humble beginnings as her husband. She did come from money. They went on to have four children together. Willie, known to be the favorite amongst Mary and Abraham Lincoln. She wanted the White House to impress people. She wanted to make it a magnificent home. She brought elegance to the White House. But you know what doesn't like renovations? Spirits. Spirits typically don't Mm. like renovations, which is why a lot of times you see ghosts in like very strange places because they come to what they knew it as. And if you've ever heard, have you ever heard of the stone tape theory? No, I don't think so. So the stone tape theory is the theory that, and I'm not writing this down. I'm I'm coming from memory on this. So pardon me if I'm a little wrong here, but stone tape theory is basically ghosts that are just like repeating what they did in the past. So for some reason, that energy- that continued cleaning yes like the Which, housekeepers yeah or like yeah. abigail adams she's still doing laundry like in the afterlife but if it's stone tape theory it's just her ghost kind of like reenacting things that she did she's not there like really doing anything in the present yeah so she's not a ghost trying to like influence anything she's just repeating things that she did so that is the stone tape theory got um, it so when i talk about like disrupting spirits that's why you might see a spirit in a really weird place or maybe why th- the bush daughter could hear music coming from the chimney. Who knows what was there before that? Um, yeah. But this is where a presence begins to appear once these renovations take place in the White House that they called the thing. Oh, gosh. That's gross. 
I don't like it. Also very like very unspecific. Like what, yeah. is that? <laughs> what is that? So Lincoln began having really weird experiences in the White House. He began seeing manifestations of a young boy. Maybe Benny. Benny. Maybe the thing that looked like Benny. Um, the staff would feel really random like cold air sometimes taps on their shoulder. One staff member even documented that he saw the ghost of a young boy with sad blue eyes. Aww. And President William Howard Taft who I'm jumping forward. He was the president after Theodore Roosevelt. He actually hired a military man named Archibald. Uh, Archibald worked for both Theodore Roosevelt and William Howard Taft to investigate the thing around 1911. So whatever the thing is, was in the White House for decades for multiple Scary. presidents later to investigate the same entity. So and this he, is from 1853 like, well, so, and beyond? Yeah, yes, 1853 and beyond, the thing that they've nicknamed keeps appearing and so William Howard Taft was very interested in learning what this was in the White House because they were all having different experiences so Archibald did document weird spooky things he found during his investigation in one of his letters he said a boy was haunting the White House unfortunately his findings died with him in the Titanic he was on the freaking Titanic like with whatever whatever knowledge he gained whether it was in writing or it was just all in his head he died in the Titanic and so all of that investigative work whatever he found out died with him that sucks which is really spooky it makes me feel like we were never supposed to find out what yeah. what he got in his investigations yeah I bet if you put someone else on the case they'd mysteriously die too yeah that's really scary that is really scary so come winter 1862 Willie Lincoln started getting sick they hoped so this is the favorite son of Mary Todd and Abraham Lincoln. So they hoped that it was a cold, but his high fever and symptoms really pointed to typhoid. Remember, we talked about typhus. Now we're talking about typhoid. While he had a fever, he said that he could also see some kind of entity, a figure of some kind. And soon after that, he did die. He died in the White House, and he is uh, one of the few deaths that actually takes place in the White House. Now there is this weird parallel with Franklin Pierce and Abraham Lincoln. So Benny and Willie, both were 11 year old 11 years old when they died and both wives looked to the occult to help bring their sons back or i say bring them back communicate with them at the very least i don't think it was like a casper situation and you know bring you back to life but communicate with their sons like they needed some kind of closure yeah so franklin pierce even sent lincoln a letter relating to the grief that he had been feeling and keep in mind like this is at the start of the civil war so lincoln has a, a ton of pressure put on him to hold the country together while grieving the loss of Willie. Same thing, I mean, very similar to what Franklin Pierce went through. Yeah, that's so weird. And during the Civil War, spiritualism continued to grow. Because remember from history class, over 600,000 American soldiers died, so many families were desperate to communicate with their loved ones. Wives became widows, children became orphans, so many were experiencing devastating loss. Like there was probably nobody that was unaffected by the Civil War. Everybody had an extension of some kind of somebody who was in the Civil War. And of course, Mm -hmm. many of them died. 
Now, of course, this does include the Lincolns. Mary Todd invites a medium out of desperation and trying to reconnect with her son again. Now, there is much more confirmed evidence of seances and things that Mary Todd Lincoln did in the White House. Uh, Even some of it was in the newspaper. They would talk about it. So she invites a man named Charles Colchester to the White House. He was English with a large moustache. Abraham Lincoln Mm. was very suspicious of him. He was not sure how he felt about spiritualism and communication with those in the afterlife. He did also have Colchester investigated. Um, To some, he was considered a total shyster, and to others, he was gifted amongst communicating with the other side. Mary Todd, she decided to just believe he was a good guy, had him over for a seance in the White House. So Lincoln was intrigued at the fact that Colchester had the ability to create noises all over the room. Again, was that him? Was he being a shyster and a trickster and was able to like echo noises in the White House? Or was he actually talking to the deceased? We'll never know. According to whitehousehistory.org, there may have been at least eight seances held in the White House by the Lincolns. Wow. So like Mary Todd was probably the most occultist first lady we ever had. So from the website, uh, they said, quote, the seances proved to be such an effect coping mechanism for Mrs. Lincoln that she once remarked to her half-sister Emily that she said, Willie lives and comes to me every night and stands at the foot of the bed with the same sweet, adorable smile that he always had. And he does not always come alone. Little Eddie, her son that perished, perished at the age of four, sometimes comes with him. And she was telling others this and said that she was seeing him regularly. Her sister Emily wrote in her own diary that Mary's eyes were wide, shining, and otherworldly when she spoke. And in response to what Mary said to her, she wrote, it's unnatural and abnormal. Hmm. Which, of course, it's hard to go into detail about what happens after the initial seance, but they go to have several more seances in the White House, and Abe himself was involved in some of them. So Mary Todd becomes a lifelong follower of spiritualism. April 1863, Abraham was desperate for some answers on how to proceed with the seemingly never-ending war. He hosted a seance in the Red Room of the White House, which included Mary Todd, two cabinet members, and a medium. He wanted to call upon the spirits to help guide him. Not only did he have the war itself to deal with, but he also was moving toward the idea of abolishing slavery, which he would be the the president to do that. The first, like I would say the first president to do that, but like not only are you dealing with the civil war, but now you were making this massive step in our country, which was a very necessary step, but no president before him, you know, was going to do that. Yeah. So of course, part of the country supports it and the other part is fighting to the death to keep it. So no other president had taken in that step. In December 1862, I guess I kind of went backwards because I started with 1863. 1862, there was a medium that sat in with the president for over an hour in his office asking the spirits if he should sign the Emancipation Proclamation. After meeting with that medium, he did sign the Emancipation Proclamation. And as we know, nice. it did create more enemies. And we know how it ends for Lincoln. Lincoln met with Colchester, the medium that had met with Mary Todd. He still didn't really trust him, but met with him nevertheless. After meeting with him, Lincoln started having very lucid dreams at night and hearing sobbing coming from all around him. And so in the dreams, he would go look for the source of the sobbing. Um, And so he would wander the White House and he would walk into one of the rooms and there was a soldier standing over a covered body. He asked the soldier who it was under the sheet and the soldier surprised, soldier replied, the president. And then he uncovers the body and shows the president that it was 
him. So the soldier then said to him, he was killed by an assassin. So Lincoln actually shared that story with his wife and a few others, and he basically was foreseeing his own death. Interesting. And if y'all listen to our episode on ghost hunting beauties, I talked about my experience with foreseeing our mom's death, and it's a very strange phenomenon having experienced it myself. I did not meet with a medium, but Lincoln seeing this makes me wonder if his mind was just more opened up afterwards and if he was like having some sort of vision. But we do know that the Lincolns took great interest in dreams too. There was a letter to Mary Todd in 1863 when she was in Philadelphia with their 10-year-old son, Tad. He wrote uh, to her, put Tad's pistol away. I had an ugly dream about him. So he did believe that dreams could possibly tell the future. But this wasn't the only indication of Lincoln's impending doom. Colchester also warned Lincoln that he was going to be assassinated. But here's what's really strange. Colchester was a medium, sure. He was a shady guy, yep. But he was also drinking pals with John Wilkes Booth. Oh, so so he probably did know he was going to get assassinated because well, they that's dusted the over bourbon. Did they talk about it? Like John Wilkes Booth probably wasn't quiet about the fact that he did not like Abraham Lincoln, but and he did. He had plans to kidnap him to kill him like he had several plans that actually didn't come to fruition did he tell colchester this or was he using colchester for information like we don't know and we don't know like what that connection was interesting so we do know that much of the money colchester spent uh went to whiskey he was a drinker and was often out of money so he could be deceptive in how he made money john wilkes booth was also interested in spiritualism weeks before the assassination john wilkes booth stayed at the national hotel just six blocks away from the capitol and very close to the ford theater where we know that he's going to be assassinated Mm -hmm. colchester and booth were considered close friends and even associated Associates. They'd be seen around town together. Nettie Colburn was one of the other mediums that met with the Lincoln family, said that Lincoln routinely disregarded warnings about him being in danger. So Colchester may not have been the only medium that warned Lincoln of his death. Okay. Wow, that's really interesting. He was buddies with John Wilkes Booth. Yeah. So Colchester wasn't the only medium warning him, but he was the only medium that had direct connection with his soon-to-be assassin. Yeah. That's wild. So April 14th, 1865, Lincoln was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth and immediately uh, one of the top military policemen, Colonel Henry H. Wells, went to the National Hotel where Booth had been staying and was immediately told about Booth's associate, Colchester. Colchester, now he's being looked at, had completely vanished. So Mm. again, did Booth ever tell him what his plan was? Did he just guess it? Did he have a bad feeling? Was he really a medium at all? Like, was he just getting information for Booth? Like, my mind just kind of runs wild. Like, we just don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's course. such an interesting piece of information. I did not know any of this. So him it's just vanishing, crazy. Him vanishing does seem suspicious, but maybe he was like, oh, shit, I didn't know my friend was going to do that, but, like, I need to get out of town because of the things I've said to Lincoln. Now will yeah. make me, like, some kind of suspect or something. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk about some weird other presidential parallels. Lincoln and JFK, they have some really fascinating parallels. They were both the second born child. They were they both married 24-year-old woman, women that were fluent in French. Both had three children with one that died. Before each of them were elected, their sisters died. By the, they each had a sister that died. Lincoln won his election in 1860 and JFK in uh, 1960. So literally 100 years later, Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy and JFK had a secretary named Lincoln. Oh, that's cool. They were both shot in the head sitting next to their wives and neither wife was harmed. Both assassin uh, assassinations were very loud and they there was a dispute with both assassinations as to which direction the assassin came from. Both were succeeded by President Johnson's. Andrew Johnson was succeeded Lincoln. He was born in 1880. Lyndon Johnson succeeded uh, JFK. He was born in 19... Uh, did I say 1880? I meant 1808. For Andrew Johnson, yeah. Lyndon Johnson mm-hmm. was 1908. Fascinating. That's just too much stuff to be coincidence. Well, I'm not done. Both assassins have five letters in their name. Booth uh, shot Lincoln in a theater and fled to a warehouse where he was later caught. Oswald shot Kennedy from a warehouse and fled to a theater where he was later caught. Both wow. of the president's assassins were assassinated also with a Colt revolver, and it was just one fatal shot that killed them. So, like... These are super strange coincidences. Yeah, so specific too. Like one of the things that makes you think there's something bigger or supernatural that does go on in the White House. Yeah, I mean, that that's all just way too, yeah, too much to be a coincidence. Something has to be creating that. I mean, coincidences do happen, but. That's a lot of coincidences. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> And I really love that one had a secretary named Lincoln and one Reagan. Yeah. That's funny. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy and Kennedy had one. Oh, Kennedy. Sorry. Yeah. That's funny. So we talked about Lincoln's ghost being the most prominent. And I fully believe that he does linger in the White House. I think he just died with so much unfinished business. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about arbitrary anecdotes. So I told you guys I was going to finish up on the Fox sisters. So Maggie Fox went to quit spiritualism and married. Uh, They were married for a short time before her husband passed away and she converted to Roman Catholic. Leah Fox renounced her spiritualism when she remarried her third husband. Kate Fox went on to capitalize on spiritualism and she traveled to London and married for nearly 10 years before she became a widow and then an alcoholic. Uh, All three had tragic endings between alcoholism and ultimately poverty. In 1888, Maggie Fox told the New York Herald, spiritualism is a curse. No matter what form spiritualism presents itself, it is, was, and always will be a curse and a trap for all those who engage with it. She even stood in front of crowds at the New York Academy of Music and exposed herself and her sisters as frauds. Part of her statement was, I am here tonight as one of the founders of spiritualism to denounce it as an absolute falsehood from beginning to end, as the flimsiest and superstitious, the most wicked blasphemy known to the world. She said the sisters all started this because they like to scare their mother. She did go on to travel showing people how she tricked Uh, how she was tricking people into like making those sounds up and stuff. But it wasn't nearly as popular as the tours of proving spiritualism. 
So many spiritualists didn't believe Maggie due to the fact that she had fallen into alcoholism and desperately did need money. And that was a way to get money is by speaking in front of crowds that this isn't true. So some looked down at the Fox sisters and then some still did pay them for their work. Kate and Leah were still working in spiritualism. So we'll never know if they were truly gifted or not. I vote not. I don't know why I don't like them, but I don't. Okay. (laughs) You're entitled to that opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Mary Todd Lincoln went on to follow spiritualism for the remainder of her life. Uh, She even went to see a spirit photographer that produced the infamous photo of Lincoln standing over Mary Todd Lincoln. Um, He did later get arrested for fraud, and he already was known to be a con artist that Mary was fully aware of before she saw him. That photo, it's a very famous photo. It will be in the Instagram. And another interesting little Anecdote. Some believe that Booth was under some kind of demonic possession when he assassinated President Lincoln. Of course. (laughs) Interesting to think about. I mean, I'll have to look more into it to see if I believe that or not. Um, Well, maybe the White House demon called up one of his buddies and was like, help me get rid of this president here. Go invade that guy's body. There was a lot of interesting, interesting things, not just about Booth, but about the Confederates in the South, like some of the the leaders in the Confederacy and like plans to kidnap Lincoln. And they may have had like their own secret service that had plans to basically take him out because like he was the big problem, according to them. But who knows? I mean, there's a lot of hearsay about that. Nancy Reagan was a bit into the occult as well. She would bring astrologists into the White House. And we don't know what kind of influence they had. There were, like, reporters that would ask Ronald Reagan, you know, about these astrologists and is he using them to, like, make major decisions, which, of course, he very much denied. But some people say that she would bring astrologists in and if there was any kind of, like, like negative things that they would say, like, this isn't going to be a good day, then, like, she wouldn't let him leave the White House. No. And on nine separate occasions, Truman wrote about White House hauntings. And that's just on paper. So he definitely thought the White House was haunted. And in the 1950s, there was another really famous picture um, that for a long time didn't get noticed because it was just a renovation picture because, again, spirits do not like renovations. And there is a weird outline of a man. So I will put it, we're doing remote recording today, so it's hard for me to show Lainey. Let me see if I can show you. So can you see this picture of Mary Todd with Lincoln hovering over her? Oh, yeah. So that's the that's that famous photo. And then there's... But wasn't that photographer also a huge he scandal? Was... They thought he was a fraud. Some people don't. Yes. And can you see the well... outline of a man to the right of the three men? Oh, that's an outline? That's not an actual man? No, he's see-through. <laughs> no. He's oh. completely see-through. Um, some people believe that is the thing, and some other people believe that it's Abraham Lincoln because that photo was taken directly under Lincoln's room. Interesting. Okay. So we will post those in Instagram. Um, I thought these topics, we should spend, you know, extra time just talking about them because seances in the White House. What the heck, man? No, that was super fascinating. I loved that story or those stories you shared. I really like thinking about, well, it sounds weird. I don't like thinking about demons, but I like these theories that you know, maybe it had influence on people's decisions. And that's just It's so interesting weird. to talk about, but I don't want to think that there's an entity that has influence over 
the major decisions that the president has to make. I mean, they got yeah. they got the nuclear codes and stuff. Like we don't we don't want somebody else having or some other entity having any kind of control over that. But there's talks of it. It was an interesting documentary, I thought. So if you want to go check it out, it's Demon uh Demon of the White House or Demon at the White House on Max. Yeah, um, I kind of want to check it out now. But I didn't just use that as my source. Uh, we we used actually a lot of very reputable sources, um, Smithsonian and White House history. So anyway, we have more coming to you guys that we cannot wait to share with you. We would love it if you would send us some recommendations or an interesting real estate story. You guys are doing good on sending us some recommendations, but I'm not getting any interesting real estate stories, and I really want some. So make sure to email us both of those at hauntedrepod at gmail.com or find us on um, Instagram at haunted.real.estate and you can send that in the uh, private messages. And if you are feeling so generous because we have not been able to do a Patreon yet, we do have a Venmo at hauntedre. Make sure if you do that to please leave us a property that you would like us to cover in the comments and tell or just tell us where you're from either way because we can find a property if you don't have one specifically you'd like us to talk about um people have done that too so that's fine and we'll find a haunting near you we will find a haunting near you and if you could rate and review us on your preferred podcast podcast platform we would so appreciate it obviously we want great reviews but you know we want you to be honest too so you can always also if you have any like tips and tricks on podcasting that you would like to send us to make it better we always want to get better so we're okay with that if you want to send us that privately and lastly if you're looking for an agent in the houston market give myself or casey my husband and partner a try uh we'd be honored to assist you in your home buying or selling needs so not to give you any more info just still email us at hauntedrepod at gmail.com and we will get you to the right place we cannot wait to be back with you guys again we will see you later do you have anything else laney thank you all for listening i appreciate you and i hope you have a fantastic day and the best rest of your week you can possibly have. Yes. See you later. Bye. Bye.